Hello and welcome to The Lone Ranger from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Indian companion Tonto, the daring and resourceful masked rider of the plains, led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. Nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. One Silver. Late one afternoon, Lieutenant Jack Quincy entered the private office of Colonel Belden, the Commandant of Fort Mason. Come in. Lieutenant Quincy reporting, Colonel Belden. Oh, yes, Lieutenant. At ease. Thank you, sir. I'm assigning you to a special detail. You'll do some traveling that may be dull and commonplace. On the other hand, it may be extremely dangerous. Well, that sounds interesting, Colonel. These documents must be delivered to Fort Apache as soon as possible. Are they to be carried by the regular military post rider, sir? No, there have been leaks in that service lately. Mm-hmm. We can't telegraph the contents to Fort Apache because there are so many names involved that it'd be cumbersome to code them. You're to carry the documents personally. I understand, sir. They're written on tissue paper. I'll put them into this thin oil silk envelope. To whom shall I deliver the envelope in Fort Apache, sir? Well, you're not going that far. Huh? Deliver the envelope to a man in Red Rock. 
Here are written instructions designating the place and time of your meeting with him. Read them carefully now. Memorize them, then destroy them. Very well, Colonel. Do I, uh, know the man I'm to meet? I think not. He wears a black mask, rides a white stallion. Mask? Well, what's wrong? Well, I'm surprised you're trusting a masked outlaw. Well, he's no outlaw. In spite of the mask, he served the army a number of times. But is there any reason why I shouldn't take the envelope to Port Apache? An excellent reason, Lieutenant. By changing couriers, I hope to halt any suspicion that a message is being sent to Fort Apache. And certainly, no one will suspect that a masked man is one of our couriers. I, I find it hard to believe myself, sir. And I hope anyone interested in stealing the papers will be completely deceived. That's why I ask him to help us. Now, to fulfill your part of the assignment, Lieutenant, you'll take the westbound stage when it stops here tomorrow morning and... What's wrong, Colonel? I thought I heard a board creak outside the door. Is anyone in the hall, sir? I don't see anyone. You must have been mistaken. You understand your assignment, Lieutenant? Uh, yes, sir, but... But what? The masked man I'm to meet. Oh, you needn't worry. He's to be trusted implicitly. Oh, yes, sir, but how can I be sure he's the man I'm to meet? A mask and a white horse hardly seem to be identification enough. Yeah, you're right, of course. I've treasured this silver bullet ever since he gave it to me. Years ago, during a strenuous Indian campaign. He'll show you one like it when you meet him. Uh, a silver bullet. His horse is called Silver. And he travels with an Indian named Tonto. I'll remember, Colonel. Uh, one thing more. You're to give the envelope to the mask man and to no one else. If an emergency arises, hide the envelope or destroy it. I understand, sir. Now, on this mission, you'll pose as an officer on leave, going to Texas for a vacation and rest. You can depend on me, Colonel. No one will guess that I've drawn a special assignment. Fine. Good luck, Lieutenant. In the nearby community of Masonville, in an airless boarding house bedroom, a short, round-faced minister of the gospel sat at a pine table... Affectionately known as the deacon, Peter Hope was busy writing his sermon for next Sunday's service. As he completed the sermon and laid aside his pen, the door opened. His daughter Mary entered and handed him a telegram. He opened and read it. Mary, I'm to take over Hiram Smith's church in Red Rock. Oh, Dad, after all these years of preaching in wagons and tents, we'll be in a church of our own. This message doesn't say why Brother Smith gave up his place in Red Rock. He may have returned to the east. I uh, hope nothing's happened to him. I'll start packing right away. Mary, we must pray for help and guidance. Smith's place will be hard to fill. He did a lot of good for the people of Red Rock, and they'll miss him. And so will the Indians in the nearby reservation... Indians? Black Eagle's reservation is near Red Rock. Oh. Smith spent a lot of time there teaching them, ministering to their ills. Yes, he'll miss him. How soon will we leave for Red Rock, Dad? We'll leave on the westbound stage in the morning, Mary. Good. I am anxious to learn what's happened to my friend Smith. <laughs> Two days later, the Lone Ranger and his Indian friend Tonto drew rein in a small clearing on a wooded slope, a short distance from the town of Red Rock. <laughs> 
They had traveled hard from Clarabelle Hornblow's ranch, where the Lone Ranger had received a brief coded message from Colonel Belden. As the masked man dismounted, he could see the main trail to town far below. Easy, steady, big fella. Easy, fella. We'll camp here, Tonto, and watch for the stage when it comes through this afternoon. Uh, this good place to rest, Scout and Silver. There's stream over there and plenty good grass nearby. Well, they've traveled hard. They need a few hours rest. Uh, where you meet Army Lieutenant? At the edge of town after dark tonight. As soon as I get the envelope from him, I'll head west with it. Uh, why, Colonel Belden, not code message. Telegraph it to Fort Apache. There are so many names in the affidavits, it would be cumbersome to telegraph them, Tonto. Furthermore, there's the danger that the Army code is known to the men involved. That's why the colonel's message to me was sent in a code known only to the two of us. Oh, me not savvy. Why, uh, affa... affa Affidavits? Uh, uh, why, it's so secret. They list the names and proof of guilt of men who have been shipping guns to Black Eagle's Indian Reservation. Uh, Black Eagle's Reservation near Red Rock. Yes, that's right. As soon as he receives the documents, the commanding officer at Fort Apache will be able to make some arrests. Ah. And now, me savvy, why it's important for message to reach Fort Pronto. There were men who were determined that the message would never reach Fort Apache. In a back room of a cafe in Red Rock, a heavyset man known as Duke Slade waited impatiently for Blaze Jetson, a civilian who worked occasionally as a scout for the Army. Hi there, Duke. I'm glad you're here. I've been cooling my heels here ever since I got your telegram. Where you been? In the saddle for the last two days and nights. Traveling from Fort Mason. What's going on there? Plenty. The Army's been checking up on you and the wagons that hit for Black Eagle's reservation every month Loaded with flour and bacon on top, and guns underneath. I wonder if that minister I shot spilled what he found out by snooping around the reservation. Smith wrote to Colonel Belden about his suspicions. The army started investigating. Oh, that's bad. But they can't prove anything against us. An army lieutenant's on the stagecoach heading this way with proof right now. How'd they get proof? I don't know, but he's carrying papers that'll put both of us behind bars for life. How do you know? I listened outside Colonel Belden's door while he talked to Lieutenant Quincy at Fort Mason. I overheard what they said. Did you hear all of their conversation? Well, I had to clear out in a hurry when a board creaked beneath my feet. But I heard enough to know that the lieutenants to hand those papers to a gent in Red Rock who'll take them to Fort Apache. Who's the fellow in Red Rock? Uh, Creel wears a mask. Mask? Yeah. The army must be hiring all hoots now. What do we do? Head for the border? No, no, we couldn't make it in time. Commandant at Fort Apache will have those papers by morning. Every soldier and peace officer between here and the border will be looking for us. Well, we got to do something. Where's the lieutenant to meet the masked man? To meet Red Rock. There's no reason why we can't meet that soldier before he gets to town. What do you mean? Anyone can wear a mask. We'll tie bandanas over our faces, stop the stage before it reaches town, and tell the lieutenant we had orders to meet him Hold before on, he would... Colonel said that Janet be wearing a black mask. And we'll make a mask out of some black cloth. Hey, we might get away with it. Why, it'll be a cinch. <laughs> the Army did us a big favor when they brought a masked man into this. We'll get the papers from the lieutenant and destroy them. Get up! Get up! Get up! 
During the stagecoach trip from Masonville, the deacon was silent and thoughtful. He was disturbed by the summons to Red Rock. He felt uneasy about the fate of his friend Hiram Smith. To ease his troubled mind, he took a well-worn leather-bound Bible from the carpet bag at his feet. As the stage jounced toward Red Rock, he read the familiar comforting passages. His daughter Mary talked to the only other passenger, Lieutenant Jack Quincy. How long are you and your father going to stay in Red Rock, Miss Mary? I hope we'll be there a long time. Perhaps you'll come to services while you're in town. I'll be there if there's a chance to see you. <laughs> Dad and I were in Masonville for several months, Lieutenant. But we didn't see you or many other soldiers at services. I'll admit I didn't attend, Miss Mary, but from now on... Why are we stopping here? There may be something wrong. We'd better see if the driver needs help. The deacon placed his Bible in his carpet bag, which lay on the floor. Before he had an opportunity to close the bag, two men appeared. One wore a black mask. The other wore a bandana across his face. Take it easy, folks. You'll not get hurt. Driver, ice your hands and keep them high. Mask bandits. It's a robbery. You fellas are making a mistake. There's nothing aboard this stage worth stealing. Jack knew the deacon was unarmed. He couldn't hope to bring his own gun into play without endangering the minister and his daughter. Dad, they have guns. Don't worry, Mary. We've nothing to fear. Nothing worth stealing. Assuming that the outlaws would search and rob him, Jack knew they would find the secret envelope. Before the men could reach the side of the coach, Jack slipped the envelope between the pages of the deacon's book. As Duke strode to the coach and opened the door, the deacon said, Brother, my business is saving souls, not money. We have little... If you need it more than we do, take it. Just keep your hands up. You too, lady. Hit the dirt, Lieutenant. You're the one I want to see. What do you want? Keep your hand away from that gun. Now climb out of there. All right. <laughs> but you picked a bad time to rob me. Army payday isn't until next week. I'm not after money. I want the envelope you're to give me. Envelope? You got orders to hand it over to me in Red Rock. That's right, Lieutenant. Who's your partner? Never mind my partner. Hand over the envelope. I don't know what you're talking about. Quit stalling. You've made a mistake. That envelope's important. I'll get it if I have to kill you. Hey, Duke, listen. What? I hear riders heading this way from the hills. There may be more than we can handle. You're out of luck, mister. Oh, so you soldier. Don't try to drop. Oh! You shot him. Shut up, or I'll blow your head off. Cover him, Blaze, while I search this soldier. All right, to make it fast. Duke searched Jack quickly with the sound of approaching hoofbeats drawing closer. Duke, we gotta get out of here. Those riders will be here any minute. Driver, get going pronto. Right, get off! Get the saddle blaze and clear out of here. Steady, boy. Come on, get up, get up. Come on! The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger adventure. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments.
Now to continue. When the Lone Ranger and Tonto drew rein a few minutes later, the stagecoach was on its way to Red Rock. The two outlaws were gone, and Lieutenant Quincy lay motionless on the ground. The masked man dismounted and hurried to the side of the fallen officer. Him dead, Kimosabe? No, he's alive, but badly hurt, Tonto. Lieutenant. Try talk. Take it easy, Lieutenant. You. Black mask. White horse, Indian friend. You must be the one I'm supposed to meet. Yes, I was to meet you at the edge of town tonight. Yes. Tonto and I were camped at the top of the hill. We saw the stage stop here and started downhill to investigate. We didn't get here soon enough. Two men, they they wanted the envelope. Did they get it? No. No. I, but, but it's gone. What do you mean, gone? Oh, I, when I stopped the stage, I didn't... Oh. Lieutenant. Him faint, Kimosabe. Yes, Tonto. His wound is serious. We'll bandage it as well as we can, but he needs professional care. Oh, what about message? He said it's gone. Crooks not get it. Perhaps he concealed it in the stagecoach. Uh, maybe that's what I mean. Message gone. The stagecoach will be in the stable behind the station in Red Rock. I'll search it tonight. Meanwhile, we'll take the lieutenant to the doctor in town. <laughs> In Red Rock, the driver brought the team and stagecoach to a halt in front of the station. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's the matter, Sam? Trying to win the race? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the sheriff? Probably in his office. I want to see him pronto. Come on, Millie. I'll carry our bags. We'll go with the driver to see the sheriff. After the driver, the deacon, and his daughter told the sheriff what had happened on the trail outside of town, Sheriff Dugan sent his deputy and two other men to look for Lieutenant Quincy and the men who had shot him. I hope he wasn't killed. And as soon as my deputy comes back, we'll know whether he's dead or alive, Miss Mary. Now, you and your dad come with me. I'll take you to Doc Higgins' house. The Doc and his wife would like to have you two stay there till you find a place of your own. Oh, that's very kind. Well, sheriff, before we go anywhere... Tell me why my old friend Hiram Smith left Red Rock. Uh, didn't anyone tell you about him, Deacon? I received a telegram asking me to come here and take over his church. But there was no explanation of why he left. He left town in a coffin. Huh? What? He was ambushed on the trail to Black Eagle's Indian Reservation a couple of weeks ago. You you mean he was murdered? Yeah. I'm still looking for the critter who shot him. Do you know who did it? The Reverend lived long enough to describe the polecat, Miss Mary... But no one in town recognized the killer's description. I wired it to peace officers in other parts of the country, but so far the dry gulcher hasn't been caught. But but why would anyone kill a man like Hiram? That's what I don't savvy, Deacon. The man who had shot and killed Hiram Smith drew rein in the hills a short distance from town. He and Blaze Jetson dismounted and ate a cold meal, then studied the darkening sky. Duke, we better hit the saddle. All right, but we'll have to be on guard. I don't want to run into any posses looking for the gent who gunned that soldier. Steady, boy. You sure he didn't have the envelope on him? He'd had it, I'd have found it. 
Must have hidden it in the stage before he climbed out. That'd be a local move. Not so local if he figured he'd be searched. So we'll go through that coach with a fine-tooth comb. The envelope's there. We'll get it. There'll be a gent on duty in the stage line stable. Don't worry about that, Blaze. If we have to, we'll deal with him just like I handled the lieutenant and that snooping Parson Smith. Well, you do any shooting in town, they'll all be in our neck in no time. And we'll wrap his head with a gun barrel. Come on, let's go. Come on, get up there. Get up. Get up. Meanwhile, Toto had reached town with a wounded lieutenant. He took him to Doc Higgins' house, where the elderly physician examined Jack's wound and removed the bullet. When he was sure Jack was resting comfortably... Toto went to the edge of town. The Lone Ranger was waiting in the early darkness. Deacon and daughter Mary and Doc all sit by young fellow's bedside, Kimasabi. But soldier still unconscious. I hoped he'd be able to tell you what he did with the envelope. Doc say maybe him come too soon. Then you better go back there, Toto. As soon as he's able to talk, ask him about the message. Uh, where you go? To the station stable. I'll search the stagecoach for the envelope. I may be able to find it before the lieutenant talks. Old town, look for feller in black mask who shoot young soldier. You have plenty trouble if someone see you. I'll be careful, Tonto. When the Lone Ranger reached the stable, he opened the door cautiously. A lantern hanging from a peg on the far wall illuminated the place dimly, revealing the big stagecoach. As the masked man moved toward it, he heard a muffled sound from the rear of the stable. He hurried to investigate. A moment later, he found the stable keeper tied and gagged on the floor. I'll cut those ropes and take the gag from your mouth. There, that takes care of the gag. Your, your mask. Don't worry, I'll not harm you. There. Cutting the ropes, mister. Uh, who tied you? A couple of polecats named Blaze and Duke. They wrapped my head with a gun barrel, then tied and gagged me while I was unconscious. I came to and saw them on the stagecoach. Oh, what were they doing? Looking for an envelope. Did they find it? No, but before they left, they said that a fella dressed like a parson and a young girl were in the stagecoach this afternoon. One of them remembered the man saying he was in the business of saving souls. Yes, go on. They were going to look for the man and girl. Why? I overheard him say those two must have that envelope they're looking for. Well, thanks for the information. Well, where are you going, mister? To the doctor's house. The deacon and his daughter are there, and they may be in danger. After leaving the stable, Duke waited with the horses in a dark alley, while Blaze went to the cafe to inquire about the deacon and his daughter. He rejoined his friend and reported. Duke, the gent in the park coach known as the deacon, the girl's his daughter. I don't care who they are. Where are they? At Doc Higgins' place. And the soldier's there, too. Your bullet didn't kill him. We'll go to Doc's. Come on. Sheriff Dugan stood before a cot in Doc's living room with the doctor, Mary, the deacon, and Toto. On the cot, Jack Quincy lay motionless while the doctor felt his pulse. Pulse a little stronger. Oh, I'm so glad. And he's lucky to be alive. He wouldn't be if Toto hadn't brought him here as soon as he did. Toto? I reckon you saved the lieutenant's life. Uh, me hope him soon come too. He's regaining consciousness now, Tano. <laughs> That's good news, Doc. I want to ask him some questions. We'll ask the questions. What? Dad, those men. They're the ones who stopped the stage. They shot Lieutenant Quincy. Get your hands away from that holster, Sheriff. You too, Injun. Heist your hands and keep them high. Uh, you too. Well, Lieutenant. 
I didn't expect you'd still be alive. What do you want here? I want that envelope. I don't have it. I told you I don't have it. already searched the stagecoach. We know it's not there. We know you don't have it. So you must have given it to the deacon or his daughter. We know nothing about any envelope. No use lying, lady. She doesn't have it. Then the deacon must have it. Is that right, soldier? You talk or we'll finish the job we started this afternoon. You're finished now. Drop your guns. Another mass man. Gunning, Blaze. Quiet. The Lone Ranger fired as Blaze turned. A silver bullet struck the outlaw's hand. I'll kill you. Not this time. A bullet brushed Duke's arm. I'll take over now. You two are under arrest. Who are they, Sheriff? I don't know, but I'll soon find out. Tonto, keep them covered while I take the mask from their faces. Me cover them, Sheriff. As for you, mister, you stay where you are. I'll get to you in a minute. Very well, Sheriff. Sheriff, that man is no outlaw. How do you know? I met him years ago. I didn't think you'd remember me, Deacon. Mister, I'll never forget you. I'm glad to see you again. Thanks. There. Now, these two are unmasked. Thunderation. Sheriff... Remember the description Hiram Smith gave of the men who shot him? Yeah. The description fits this gent to a T. Duke, you bungling jughead. Your bullet didn't kill Smith. It killed him, all right. But Smith lived long enough to talk. But why? Why'd you shoot Hiram Smith? I can't oh, understand. Deacon, I can answer that. Reverend Smith spent a lot of time in Black Eagle's Indian Reservation. While he was there, he learned that white men were selling rifles to the Indians and inciting them to break their treaty with the government. Reverend Smith informed the Army. Colonel Belden started an investigation. He learned the identity of the men who procured the rifles and the identity of the man who sold them. Reverend Smith knew too much. These men had to kill him, but they didn't know they acted too late. How do you know all this, mister? He's working with the Army, Sheriff. I have orders to turn the envelope these killers wanted over to him. Where is the envelope, Jack? Well, I... I put it between the pages of the deacon's Bible. In my Bible? Yes. I I knew I'd be searched, but I... I didn't think outlaws would be interested in stealing your Bible. I'll get the Bible right away. Left it on the table in the hall. Then you really did have an envelope, Jack? Oh, yes, Mary. My orders were to turn it over to this masked man and no one else. I'll see that it reaches Fort Apache, Jack. I know you will, Master the commandant gets it, he'll be able to arrest the whole gang. Well, here's the Bible. And the envelopes between the pages. Just as you said, Jack. Give it to the masked man, will you, sir? Here you are, mister. Thanks, Deacon. Adios, Jack. So long. And thanks. You're welcome. Come on, Toto. Uh-huh. The commandant of Fort Apache is expecting us. Jack, who is that masked man? All I know is what Colonel Belden told me, Sheriff. He said the masked man's no outlaw. Well, then why does he hide his face? <laughs> Sheriff, years ago, while I was chaplain for Colonel Miles' outfit, I asked the colonel the same question. What did Colonel Miles tell you, Deacon? He said the masked man was the Lone Ranger.
This is a feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated, created by George W. Trendle, produced by Trendle Campbell Muir Incorporated, directed by Charles D. Livingston, and edited by Fran Stryker. The part of the Lone Ranger is played by Brace Beamer. (laughs) 